This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scardino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors, and the goal that we have is to provide our listeners the real facts and the real stats about our local market. You wouldn't go into a basketball game without a well-prepared game plan. Well, real estate's no different. We're going to provide you with the information that will help you make a well-prepared game plan so you'll be a winner in the real estate market. And to help me with that today, we have one of our members of the Fresno Association of Realtors, and that is Aisha Allen Rojas. Good morning. Good morning. All right. And you're no rookie to this show. <laughs> no, I think I'm more like a vet now. Yeah, yeah. Especially after today. <laughs> uh, this one you're doing all on your own, so you will be a veteran. Uh, well-tested veteran. Anyway, <clears throat> Aisha started in the business as a client success manager with Brown and Brown Real Estate <clears throat> in the beginning of 2018. Um, and you quickly became involved in all kinds of committees at the Fresno Association of Realtors. <clears throat> I did. And, and California Association. Don't worry, my voice is going to clear up soon. <laughs> yes, I did. I was heavily involved um, immediately after entering in the industry. Yeah. And um, this year, you are the president of the Women's Council of Realtors. That is correct. For, for is Greater it, Fresno. So for, the Greater Fresno Network. Yes, we have over 32 um, networks throughout California, and I am covering the Greater Fresno area. Excellent. What does the Women's Council of Realtors do? So Women's Council of Realtors is a network of amazing professionals that have come together to network and to uh, provide education to these leaders um, and give them the education that they need to be able to be successful in the communities that we serve. So um, it is like a training program for individuals to have better skill sets, communication skill sets, to be able to lead, whether it be a network or being in the communities. Um, and we have a, several different <coughs> leadership positions that help you develop those skill sets. So give me an example of a training course. That so currently right now, um, I am as president um, getting education. So we just came back from the national conference um, in D.C. Uh, about two weeks ago. And uh, so the the work that we do and the events that we put together help fund the trips that we send our leaders on to get education. So during that um, conference, we had several different courses that um, talked about communication because um, a lot of networks have different personality types. So you got to figure out how to navigate through that and to still be able to lead with the different personalities. And, uh, you know, everyone comes from different backgrounds and some folks are stronger in some skill sets than others. So it's how do you bring those skills that everyone has together to be able to put on some great events and to do some amazing things. And communication is so key in our business. Tell me about it. 
And I like what you say, uh, that there are different types of people that are going to communicate differently. Um, I have a client right now, doesn't speak English. We understand one another. Um, So, and, you know, they're sticking with me (laughs) uh, because they know that I'm going to get them a home. But um, it's interesting how we communicate. I, I've had to change the way I communicate. Right, definitely. And it's, it may be like you're more animated with your hands to kind of point at gestures so that they can have a better understanding of what it is that you're talking about. I've always been animated with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I sit on my hands, I can't talk. <laughs> yeah. I, me too. I have to, yes, hold my hands down so that I don't get them all over the place but yeah definitely communicating with other individuals and and which helps out with your clientele base as well figuring out what best communication methods that they have it keeps us involved in the industry with what policies bills things are being passed um, so that we can also educate our clients on what else is going on in the world and as far as like regulations and things as um, it affects home ownership as as even investors investments as well Mm -hmm. I took one of those classes a long time ago about communication and the different types of personalities that you deal with and how you may need to speak differently with them. And I remember one guy, he was walking around the house and he said, okay, how much is this going to cost me? So I thought I'd impress him with all my knowledge and I (laughs) I was giving him the breakdown. Yeah. Line for line, going all the way through it. Did you talk about buying the house? Yeah, well, finally, and he, his arms were crossed. He was uh, tense. And when I finally said, well, you know what? The bottom line is you're going to need this much cash and your monthly payment's going to be this. The arms dropped. Ah, okay. And he goes, I can do that. Right. You simplified let's, let's make an offer on the house. There you go. Yeah. So I, I, that made me remember to communicate the way people want to listen. Which is true, right? Because everybody's going to be a little bit dependent on how they are receptive to information and how they take that in. So, yeah, I have some clients that might need a little bit more hand-holding or for you to um, guide them through it step-by-step, and others are just like, this is what I want, this is what I'm looking for, and they're ready to go. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. learning different communication styles. All right, communications with your clients, that's an important skill set, and that's something the... WCR, Women's, Women's Council of Realtors, yeah. provides those training courses. What are, what are some other examples? Um, some more examples is the networking and um, is one of the hugest things for me is that is important. And that is having the resources and individuals, like the people that you meet. Um, some folks have skill sets or experience in certain areas, whether it be like relocation. I have friends um, through Women's Council across the nation, especially as president, we went away for training in Chicago where we met other presidents from other states and other networks throughout the country. And so now if I have a client that is wanting to relocate and move into another city, I have resources and friends that I can tap into to assist them in those other states. So now I know that they'll be taken care of when they go other places and that they have a safe place to come to. Yeah. Okay. That is another benefit. And to the consumer, they're going to know that, okay, since that person knows Aisha that I know so well, they're going to be okay. Most definitely. And usually you 
tend to make friends with people with like personalities in some cases. So it makes it an easy transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, What kind of events do you have coming up for Women's, Women's Council. Council. So we actually just had an expo event this last week that was so phenomenal. So we had um, real estate professionals or um, uh, affiliate members, or what we call them, um, that do lending, title, escrow, um, home warranty. Um, we even had a dental company, one of our partners, come in. Insurance agencies, all of these companies come in with the booth to be able to provide information and education to the attendees. A dental company too. I I can see the relevance there. Some escrows are real tooth grinders. (laughs) Teeth grinders. (laughs) <laughs> we actually love to bring in some uh, companies that don't aren't necessarily directly related with, to real estate, but also because real estate agents can benefit from those those uh, <laughs> services as well. All right, and, and you know that is something about our business. The, the reason we have a job is because it's an intense process, most definitely, to to close an escrow, and. Um, having the guidance of a professional realtor really makes a difference. Yeah, they're definitely, so I, I like to say it's like steering a ship. They're the they're steering the ship, but they're helping you, gui- guiding you through the process through. So you're there the whole time directing them as far as the client goes. The client is directing like, okay, these are the decisions that I like to make. This is the way that I'd like to go about it. And we're the ones that are providing the facts. Okay, so if we go in this direction, we could hit some weather, you know, some some storms and things. But if we head this direction, it might be a little smoother sailing. So we help provide the facts of how to navigate through the transaction, but they're the ones who are deciding. So we help steer that boat. Okay. And when we get back from our first commercial break, we're going to talk about some of the market changes and how realtors can help guide their clients um, through, through that. Through that to avoid the pitfalls and and troubles. Most definitely. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And we're talking with Aisha Allen Rojas of Brown and Brown Real Estate. And um, we are now going to talk about some of the market changes that Aisha is seeing out there and what I'm seeing out there. And um, let's, let's get started. So to name a few, what are some of the market changes that you've seen? And let, let me preface it with this, maybe just in the last month or two. Yes. Because I could always go back in history and say, well, (laughs) I've seen interest rates go from 17% down to five. And we can get into that. However, yes, there is definitely a shift in the market and we're seeing it and we're starting to feel it. Um, And of course, part of what's causing the shift is the increase in interest rates. So that has been one of the first changes that we're seeing that starts up some of the other effects that the shift causes. Um, So some of the things that we are seeing um, happening in the market are we're seeing some of the pricing on homes drop. So some sellers are decreasing the prices 
for their homes that they're asking for. Um, another thing that we're seeing is some homes are now having more days on the market, which means that they may be sitting on the market a little bit longer. Part of the reason for that is because of the interest rates, it's kind of shifting the amount that buyers are looking for as far as a sales price on a home based off of what their monthly budget is for what they're wanting to spend on a home. So, When you say days on the market, um, what, where were we at, two, let's say, two months ago? Where is it at now? So two months ago, we were probably about five days on the market, I would say. it would. Take, That's not very long. And it's not very long. So it lists on the market probably like a Monday, and then on Saturday, Sunday, maybe even Monday, they're already reviewing and selecting an offer. So by the end of that week, that home is gone and already in escrow with a buyer. Um, and now what we're seeing is we're seeing a few homes that are sitting on the market maybe – 15 days a little bit, which is a little longer. And sometimes it does go into escrow, which we're seeing is there may be some history on that home where it was in escrow. The seller may have gotten into contract with the buyer and for some reason or another, the house came back on the market. So and that could cause an effect of the uh, days on the market increasing as well. Are you seeing more back on the markets? We are seeing more back on the markets. What? Why do you think? I think that more back on the markets are some sellers may have high expectations for how much they're going to walk away with, um, especially because the market was hot. And so they are just like, I can sell my house in any condition and I can get top dollar for it and make a good profit and I may get offers above asking. And that was great because there was several offers, maybe 15, 20 offers on the one home. But with folks getting a little bit more serious about the offers and the increase of interest rates and what the value has for them on the home, um, some seller buyers are getting into contract and asking things of the seller for repairs to be done on certain conditions of the home. And the seller may not have had any expectation to repair anything. And for some of the buyers, if they're offering above asking, 20, 30,000 above asking, it may not be a good value for them to have to pay for a home that is not going to have certain repairs done to it. So maybe we could put it like this. There was a disconnect between seller expectations and buyer's abilities. Very true. Yeah. You hit the nail right on the head. Um, many And I've seen a lot of this, as I'm sure you have too, where in the marketing remarks it'll say seller is selling as, as is, is. <laughs> will do no repairs, and along comes the buyer's lender who says you got to fix this or we're not making the loan. Correct. So there's your disconnect between what the seller's expecting and the buyer's ability. Most definitely. So how do we get that corrected? Uh, we kind of got to set the expectations of what really is going on and talking mm -hmm. about these shifts in the markets. Um, so I'm starting to see seller credits, which is something that I haven't seen since pre-COVID. My last client that got uh, offered a credit was happened right as COVID began to ha happen and the pandemic started and the shutdown became something. Mm -hmm. After that, that was when the market started to turn and we've seen a boom in the sales for homes. So let's talk about what is a seller credit for our listeners who maybe 
just started tuning in two years ago and we never talked about <laughs> seller credits right. because they weren't happening. Yes. So seller credits are um, usually offered at the close of escrow. Um, monies that the seller may want to offer the buyer to be able to do some repairs or to change a few things on the home. For example, the carpeting. If the carpeting wasn't um, is in a bad condition and needs to be replaced, but the seller doesn't have the time or the F may not want to put in the effort to replace the carpeting in the home, they may offer a credit for the buyer to do that once they've taken ownership of the home. Mm -hmm. Or also many times a buyer in the very beginning of the escrow or when they write the offer will write in that they want the seller to give a $2,000 credit towards their closing, closing costs, costs. Yes. or $5,000 credit. And I agree with you for a couple of years there, you just you don't ask. Couldn't do that. <laughs> couldn't ask. <laughs> uh, and and you definitely didn't want to write an offer that would be rejected. So you try to write an offer as clean as possible without asking for certain things, hoping that they didn't turn your offer away for somebody else who didn't ask for anything. Right. Right. Um, are you starting to see fewer offers on a home? We are starting to see that. And even when I call the listing agents for some of my buyers asking if they have offers on homes, some of them aren't having offers on them. Um, so buyers are hesitating a little bit more before putting offers in on a home, dependent upon the condition of the home and what they would need, what investment they would need to come in with to make it the home that they would like. Mm -hmm. And I think the seller having the home well prepared and ready to go is very critical right now. It is in that shift, right? Because before homes were selling as is, like you said, and some folks were very clear about it, even though as per the contract, all homes are sold as is, but they made sure to put in those agent remarks as is so that the seller, the buyer's agent knew that they were serious about that as is portion of it. Um, but now um, if folks are going to be paying top dollar and offering above asking price, they're going to want to move, spend, use that money. Um, they want to make sure that their investment is going to be well worth it. And they're not going to have to put more money into the home once they've acquired the property. What was, what are buyer expectations like? So buyer's expectations, um, well, one is to think about that monthly payment and what budget they're comfortable making um, so that they can figure out what sales price they would comfortably be purchasing in um, without consider concerns about things. Um, and then also, yes, if they're using a loan, it's very important for a buyer to understand where the comps are for the homes in the area, the, the comparable priced homes, um, because their loan will only cover what the house is actually valued. Right. I, I think I heard a loan officer say it like this. They're going to lend on their... 80 90 percent based on the purchase price or the appraisal whichever one is less so if something sells for four hundred thousand but it appraised at 390 they're going to lend based on the 390. 390 and then if the buyer wants to they can still pay the 400 but that would be in cash right correct yeah <clears throat> definitely um 
All right. So I, I have to ask this question because we we're talking about a market shift. Things are changing, but are sellers still predominantly getting multiple offers? So yes, there are still. I mean, imagine if a home is in the condition in a in a great condition, moving ready, updated countertops, nice paint job great flooring in it you're ready to go there's not much most of that you want to do so some folks are definitely going to want to invest in that so some of those homes that are in a really good condition and and set up very nicely um, will have several offers on them as well so mm -hmm. we're still hearing that there are offers above asking um, but it, again it's like based off of the condition of the home itself all right so the seller can't just throw something on the market not clean up, not mow the lawn, not paint the trim, <laughs> and expect their expectations have to be lowered. They can still sell that, but maybe they're not in the the heat of the seller's market. And that's what the sh yes, some of the temperature sh in that shifting is causing for that exact circumstance that you're saying. So they're having to really consider what the condition of their home is before they list it so that they have realistic expectations on what their offers are going to be. I want to go back to the days on the market. Yes. You were saying previously we were doing five days, now 10 or 15. Um, that's still pretty short. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, wasn't very, well, let's see. Go back 10 years, 2012. I'm going to guess days on the market was closer to 70, 80 days yeah. on the market. Yes, definitely. And that was also the time when sometimes offer sellers were offering credits to help buyers and move into the home to, to kind of entice them, to give them a little bit of something to give them, you know, mm -hmm. so that they can put some money into the home and make it the home they want. Right. So the seller had to react to make sales happen, just like buyers had to react recently to make a sale happen. Yes, definitely. Buyers had to react by saying by not asking for credits. Correct. Maybe <coughs> offering more than the asking price. So Yeah. And the above appraised values too, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Two years ago I I never heard the term appraisal gap yes, you know right, now it's almost new. expected in it it's a question that i ask <laughs> all the time or talk about like would you like to offer anything towards the appraisal gap in case there is one um, yeah. but we're even seeing that right we're seeing some of those homes for a bit before we're starting to see the shift now we're starting to see homes um, um, appraising at the at the offered amount mm -hmm. yeah so I have an interesting thought for everybody to ponder on during the commercial break that we're coming up on. It sounds like our market is maybe slowing down, but here's what you need to ponder. We're going from 100 miles an hour down to 80 miles an hour. It's still a fast-paced market. S uh, yes. Sellers still have um, a lot of things in their favor. Yes. Uh, but there's a lot of things in the buyer's favor, too, Correct. such as low interest rates. Nah, they're not as low as they were, but they're still low. That's true. So with that, we're going to our next commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. I'm proud of the house we built. It's 
Well, welcome back. Welcome home radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us today, we have Aisha Allen Rojas of Brown and Brown Real Estate and uh, also the 2022 president of the Women's Council of Realtors. And I was just commenting to Aisha that it's kind of interesting to look outside the studio because the San Joaquin Memorial Class of 2022 is having their graduation across the street at the Warner Theater. It's bringing back memories. Memories, huh? <laughs> 50 years ago, it, I was graduating from San Joaquin Memorial. Not that I remember graduation night. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, it was kind of a neat deal. And, by the way, that is a good school, too. So, <laughs> I bet. I know. I'm sure I love it because the, the teachers all still remember me, <laughs> and they comment on this show. Do they? Well, yeah, Have you one seen guy any said, <laughs> One guy said, "Don, it doesn't surprise me that you got a talk show on the radio." He goes, "Heck, you had a talk show going on in the back of the classroom <laughs> all the time." Oh, so you were a troublemaker? I see. Practicing for what we see now. Okay. Yeah, probably <laughs> explains a lot, right? Most definitely. <laughs> all right. Well, in the last segment, we were talking about some of the um, changes that we see occurring in the market. So let me ask you, why should a seller sell in the market right now? It, it's been dubbed before as a seller's market, and yet buyers were trying to buy like crazy. Why should a seller sell now? So we're still, even though we see a shift, and I know we talked about a shift a little bit in the last previous two segments, um, <clears throat> even though there is a shift, it is still currently a seller's market. And the values for homes have increased, especially with equity in the homes. Um, so a lot of folks, depending upon their financial circumstances, um, I have a client that's getting ready to sell because it would be a benefit for them to be able to do other amazing things with the funding that they have from that, which they can still also apply to another investment as well. So they can sell their investment property, pay off some debts, pay off some school loans, and still be able to invest in the business and while they're working on being able to purchase another home. So it's still, there's still some great funding that you can get from selling a home. And one of the big benefits that I'm seeing is that in the past, now keep in mind that was 50 years ago that I graduated <laughs> from high school. So when I'm talking about the past, it's a vast time frame. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about your 50th oh man is it gonna be my 10-year reunion oh goodness okay go ahead <laughs> okay so in my vast time frame there there's been times when selling a home and buying a home were really difficult because you did not know how long it would take to sell your home correct you might be able to go out and find one because there was plenty of inventory to look at most definitely and here, maybe you want to move up from that two-bedroom, one-bath home to a three-bedroom, two-bath home. But it was difficult. Yes. Now, one of the advantages is it's quicker and easier to sell the home. Yes. So making that move up, or, or I, I like the term right-sizing. Right-sizing. Yes, definitely, because you might go up or you may come go, down, right? Right. It, it, and, and so, actually, for those clients it's easier right now to take the shift down or shift up purchasing something 
well, either way, just to right size, but it's easier because you know you can sell your home. Right. Yeah. So definitely. Right. So for for buyers, buyers, yes, it's there's there is now that shift of concern that they don't know how soon they can get into a home. So um, based off of when, you know, their lease agreements may end, they may start searching, you know, with more months in anticipation for their lease ending to give themselves time to be able to purchase something and to close escrow by the time their lease agreement ends. Whereas with sellers, they know that if they put their house on the market, they're for sure going to sell that property and it will be gone. And I'd like to add something in there also that makes it easier right now. The last two years, maybe, while the market has really heated up, not only are appraisal gaps very common, but it's very common to have what's called the SIP agreement, seller Seller in possession. possession. So you close escrow June 1st, let's say, but the seller gets to keep possession for 15 more days, which allows that move. Back in the old days, more than two years ago, (laughs) when doing a concurrent closing, so, you know, a client is selling and buying and closing all on the same day, we didn't really do those SIP agreements. They they weren't common, and um, that made it difficult. Back in those days, yes, right? Um, And now, yes, having... Having the opportunity to be able to do that, yeah, and it it is more common now, especially because when people are making those adjustments um, to what they want to move into, whether they're downsizing or upsizing, um, let's say if they're purchasing a new construction, new construction has longer time frames for the completion, whether it be between 8 and 12 months for completion. So a seller may need some additional time in the home, but they're going to need the funding from the sale of their home to apply it to that purchase. Or if they're relocating to another state, um, they may need some time in the home before they actually get ready to move into that new home that they're investing into in another state. So allowing sellers time using that seller in possession in the home to remain in the home during that time frame for them to prepare for their next move definitely was a benefit that a buyer can offer a seller um, to be able to make their offer a little bit more competitive. You know, and going back to your comments about sellers having equity in their homes now, equity is attained not just from prices going up, but also your loan balance yeah, going down. Paying it down. Um, Fifteen years ago, many loans were interest only. Many loans were uh, variable. Neg- yeah, ju- the adjustables with negative amortization, which means your loan balance actually goes up, up. <laughs> rather than down. But now that predominantly almost every loan is a fixed rate mortgage. Okay you're gonna see balances going down. So maybe you started off with a $300,000 mortgage, but now you're at 270,000. Well, you picked up 10% equity just right there. Yeah, definitely. Not to mention what uh, price is going up too. Yeah, which also, you know, coming into account, depending on what type of a loan you have will affect. So if you're in the FHA, you may not be able to get rid of that PMI, that homeowner's insurance. But if you're in a conventional loan, once you've hit that 20, 20% <clears throat> metric, then you are able to remove that. So that definitely is also a benefit mm-hmm. um, with paying down your loan. Yeah. So that's something to talk to your loan officer about yes. when you're getting pre-qualified is mortgage insurance. Yeah. Uh, 
because some of it is temporary. Some some types of loans are permanent for mortgage insurance, which is an act, an added cost. And and when we say insurance, that's not your fire insurance. Correct. That is insurance for the lender in case you can't you, you, you do take a hike. Alone. Yes. <laughs> or um, yeah, in case the home become becomes unaffordable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So let's say a seller just wants to move to a different area. Um, now's a good time, right? Yes. Um, and it, 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 it's a good time because if you pr- price it properly, present it properly, it will sell. Yes, definitely. Yes. So you're still, yes, again, we're still in a seller's market. Sellers are still having leverage. We're just, you just got to be more mindful of what it is that you're doing when you're putting your house on the market. So making sure it is in a pretty good move and ready position. Maybe you are now having to add a fresh coat of paint to, to make the house a little more easier for the buyer to move in because some buyers are currently receiving notices to leave their rental properties and so they don't have much time to prepare to move out so um you know like thinking about the condition that a buyer may be in um and making sure that the house is easier for them to move in with in too quickly um also is something that sellers are wanting to consider even in regards to repairs some -hmm. of those repairs that the home may need in order for it to be um in a good healthy safety position for a buyer to acquire is something to consider as well so that's why I think we're seeing a little bit of these credits coming up offers offered by the sellers. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because that was just credits were just such a normal part of the market. It was. And then it just went away. It was. We used to ask for 2000 6000 towards close sellers closing costs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then yeah, and then things changed and you couldn't ask for much of anything. You used to even ask for like refrigerators or, you know, appliances or even the furniture at no additional cost. But now we don't even have those conversations about asking for the additional appliances unless the seller was already planning to leave them. When it comes to credit, I can't help but smile over this one thing I, I had in early in my career. I was working for a builder. Mm-hmm. Great guy. But he was... Uh, Point blank. He told you like it was. He had no filter. <laughs> so I came to him and I said, you know, Joe, we're, we're going to be buying this house from you, but so-and-so, another builder down the streets offering same price, same square footage, but they'll give a $5,000 credit. He said, well, then go buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God he was married and his wife made him give it to me. <laughs> So you still got the house it was too funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he, he did not like that comment whatsoever i and he was a typical seller right he's like i'm gonna make, i'm gonna sell it regardless of whether it's you or somebody else I yeah <laughs> oh speaking of typical sellers too and their expectations i remember my son when he was 18 years old mm-hmm. i bought a flip house and i made him a 50 50 partner on it okay at the age of 18. the oh, only wow. condition was he couldn't ever tell me, I already know that. <laughs> I know, I know. He couldn't do that. But anyway, we were expecting to each make 20 grand on it. Mm-hmm. By the time escrow closed, we each got a check for $4,000. Mm-hmm. 
he looks at that check and he goes, <laughs> 4000 Keep in mind, he's 18 years old. Right. $4,000. What was the point of that stupid house anyway? <laughs> so seller expectations expectations are certainly something to deal with and we as realtors have to go go back to what you said originally effectively communicate yes what those expectations should be in this current market yeah i do, and i think that realtors really do have uh do you know a due diligence to their clients to be able to be realistic about that and i know um some may be a little bit um you know wanting to take the business and tell the sellers what they want to hear but it does that's no benefit to the seller especially in the shift of market like really being considerate of those buyers and what they're what they're also um going through when purchasing and um um you know, pricing their homes accordingly to the market goes. I mean, that if, you, if you're mindful about pricing a house properly and not asking way more than what the off what the comps are reflecting, and that will be one thing to help prevent a seller from having to continuously drop the value of the or the price, the asking price of the home, um, which also could throw up some red flags to a buyer like why is why are they dropping the price and why is it sitting on the market and it could just be the market showing the seller like this is what the market is reflecting like now you got to be true to the values of what the homes are reflecting especially if you're not planning on putting any additional funds or fixing up the house any more than you know selling it as is okay Aisha thank you we're about to go to our next commercial break but stay tuned everyone to 940 KYNO Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. We have Aisha Allen here in the studio with us, and we've been talking local real estate um, because we've been talking about what we're seeing. So that's locally. Yeah. Some it could be different in Michigan. Right. Definitely. Yeah. And I have I've had even transactions where um, I had a seller a a buyer who was purchasing from a seller who was purchasing out of state. And because the offers being written in the other state were different trends than what we were seeing here, the seller requested in the counter offer that the buyer do something similar to what was trending in that area that they were seeing. It was new to us, but it was something that they were experiencing as they were writing their offers for that other state. And a very typical thing would be how closing costs are typically paid. Here in the Central Valley, escrow fees are generally split 50-50. And when I say generally, I'm going to say 99% of the time. Yes. Uh, But, okay, so if you have somebody from Las Vegas, Nevada representing you, they may not know that, and they're going to write a contrary offer. Correct. Yeah, it right. may not reflect the trends that they're seeing that we are seeing here locally. Exactly. Yeah. So, what are you seeing out there, Aisha? Um, in the need to deal with local people. So dealing with a local realtor, and and I mean, you and I know that when you uh, become assigned 
to an association, a local association, you know, there's certain guidelines and things that you need to, um, that you're aware of, um, you have access to tools and services and resources. So here locally, we use the super lockbox for our listings. And so if an out of town lender and the super lockbox is the way that we access it is we have an app that we download on our phones. Some realtors may use the tool, the, the Bluetooth tool that comes with it. Um, but you have the access to it. You go up to the lockbox, you place in your code and it unlocks the box for you to access the key to enter the home. Um, so in other associations, it's done differently. They I'm, either have a combo lockbox or they have other ways for the buyers and that buyer's agent to enter and access the home. So if you're using an out of town agent, the agent doesn't have access to those tools and resources that we have here. So it makes it difficult for even the agents locally to access those homes without them having those items in place, which is a disservice to the clients because now you're restricting and limiting who can enter the home and show the home. I saw one yesterday, so there was no super lockbox like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. The uh, realtor was not local that was representing the seller. And it said that the pictures, it, it, at least they disclosed that the pictures that were on the <laughs> listing were from several years ago. Well, man, what we walked in thinking we were getting a five-star home. Right. We weren't. <laughs> um, so the photos it, were severely outdated. Yeah, yeah. And you just don't see that with local realtors. And you know why? It's because you're going to see the other realtors. You want a good reputation. Most definitely. But if you're a one-and-done realtor because you're out of uh, Timbuktu, California, um, it's one and done. You don't need to worry about your reputation. Yeah, and then, um, like, say you do have a lender or an agent that is representing you from Las Vegas who hasn't even seen the home or step foot on the property. They can't tell you some of maybe even the key importance is we know some of the basic recommendations or requirements for appraisals for a home to qualify. Let's say the for smoke detectors to be installed, carbon monoxide detectors to be installed, and for the water heater, heater to be double strapped. Those are simple things that if you're walking through a home that you can gauge and say, okay, let's make sure that those are in before the appraisal gets ordered so that we don't have to have a reappraisal and have them come back out to replace those things. If a seller if agent has never stepped foot in the home, they may not even be aware of those little things that need to be taken care of that could prevent some issues in the future. And you know, you mentioned I gave the example of a Las Vegas agent. You have to be licensed in California. Correct. Now, you can live in Vegas or Michigan, Florida, and be licensed in, in California. But there is a California law that says that the buyer, excuse me, the, the agent must do a diligent visual inspection of the home. Yes, that's true. And there's a form that they have to fill out saying that, there's a watermark on the ceiling in the living room yes. um, or whatever it is. If they don't do that, they're in violation. Correct. So, and I know many times somebody doesn't want to drive all the way from Sacramento <laughs> to do that. Yeah. But it, it is required. Right. And then you have... Um 
some some of those out of town agents um, don't want to invest in becoming a member of the local association, and so that house may not be listed in the Fresno MLS, which is what probably the majority of our local buyers are looking at to see what homes are available. So they're passing up on homes. They're, they're passing up on that home if it's not listed in the multiple listing service. Yeah. And to put that in perspective, when you say the majority of, I'm going to take a guess. I have no <laughs> official statistic on this, but I'm going to say if a home's for sale in the Fresno yes. County, uh, Fresno County area, it's in the 90 percentile, whether or not it's in the Fresno multiple listing service. Most definitely. There's a few fringe ones that aren't, right. but that those are the exception, not the rule. Right, like the for sale by owners. Yeah, we won't see those in the multiple listing service unless an agent is just listing it and not representing the seller. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then there's that spirit of cooperation between agents that are members of, of the association. Mm -hmm. um, well, you work at a different office than I do, mm -hmm. uh, but we know one another yeah. and we have for a long time. Yes. So if we were doing a transaction together, we would incorporate that spirit of cooperation to make it a win-win for our buyer and our seller. Most definitely. We would definitely try to work together to have a better relation. We have a better relationship to be able to communicate with one another, you know, the needs of our buyer and our seller to be able to move through that transaction as smoothly as possible. And you might say, well, that spirit of cooperation is due to the goodness of us, but it's also due to the fact that I might want to sell your listing next year and you're going to remember if I was good or bad. To you. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah, it, it is. And, and also, I mean, we did talk about women's council, but that's also one of those benefits of working with an agent that may be a part of other networks and organizations is because they have friends that are local that they can talk to about those offers that they're getting and may have a little bit more leverage navigating through those transactions as well. So what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's discussion? I want, um, I mean, for sellers, for those that are selling their home to really consider the condition of their homes and being set, being realistic with their expectations on how much they could get their home for and the condition based off of the condition of the home. So taking a look at the comps that are out there and seeing what conditions that they're in. Okay. I really like that. Yes, sellers need to still present their home properly and price it properly. Correct. One last question. Yes. Give us your best real estate advice. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know what? Invest. If you can do it, buy it because you're not going to lose from having some piece of investment that currently is still gaining equity. So if you can, do it. All right. Well, I want to thank you, Aisha, for coming in here today and sharing your knowledge with us and your and your wisdom. And um, thank you to all our listeners for tuning in, especially the really, really loyal ones. Most definitely. Thank you. It's a pleasure. All right. We'll be back next Saturday. Everybody take care. <laughs>